Yes, sir. Welcome back to another episode of the Trap or Die podcast. Let me go ahead and see if I can turn this music down a little bit. Hold on, there we go. That works. I think that works. Um, but yeah, man, welcome back to another episode of the Trap or Die podcast, man. This is Molly Mall, your host of the Trap or Die podcast, Coach Mall, Hendog Mall, all that good stuff. Um, and listen, um, I know you see the background, man. This is not your typical episode. I am on work, travel. Um, if you see a messy bed back there, it's because I ain't made my bed up all week. Don't judge me. You see some clothes back there while I'm moving around. Don't judge me. I'm trying to get this. I'm trying to get this content done, man. I'm sure stra- I'm, I'm straight out of training, man. So, uh, you know, I felt a little motivated and, and excited, man, with the, with the game coming up tomorrow and um, you know, it was a little bit difficult to get this done, but it is what it is, right? Um, with that being said, let me go ahead. First off, I don't know what's going on with this music, so I'm going to just cut it off. Um, y'all may not even be hearing the issues that I'm hearing, but I'm going to just stop playing it. <laughs> and we're going to keep pushing, right? Uh, first and foremost, man, let's get the administrative items out of the way. Uh, if you are watching, if you are listening, whichever way you are doing so, make sure you hit that like button, make sure you hit that subscribe button. Definitely appreciate it. Um, make sure you hit that follow button if you are listening. Definitely appreciate it. Give us a rating and review if you can. Sorry for the wait. Um, but we did get one done today. We did get one done this week in episode. Um, and obviously Saturday, uh, Saturday morning, we will be going live, AJ Dre and myself, uh, to recap the game that happened on Friday night between the Browns and Commanders. So on the show today. Today we are um, discussing some of my things to watch, man. It's a short podcast, um, and and I think those are going to be some key things. A lot of people have people that, uh, when they think about their list, they think about people who are going to be major contributors um, throughout the season that realistically um, expecting too much out of them in, in the week one preseason game is a little bit, you know, like, certain angles that you could look at a player and, and be interested in. But outside of that, um, we got to kind of dive deep into the team, right? Um, so we're going to tap into that. But first and foremost, let's start at the top of some things, some non-game related things. And if you want to get straight to the people I'm looking forward to watching um, and a byproduct of that is people that I'm going to be looking into the entire preseason as the preseason moves along, right? Um, but if you want to skip forward past this part of the show because you want to get straight into game content, do your thing. But first up, uh, some things that happened this week with the commanders, right? Uh, first and foremost, Eric Bienemy, Ron Rivera, uh, starting with Ron Rivera, you know, he had some conversations with the media this week that kind of was um, 
overboard. Um, and um, he shared too much. Uh, and to this point of the week, Thursday, the day that I'm recording this, uh, I think that Ron Rivera, um, in short, was just being honest, but then communicated well. Um, and he shared too much. Uh, but like that's besides the point of what I want to get into today. I want to I want us to think about alter uh, alternate angles, alternate angles, other angles to this situation. Um, and not just the same repeated conversations. So I'll save all of us the trouble of that. Uh, whether your opinion is um that Ron Rivera was had uh, motives behind his pressure, or he was throwing. Eric Benemy under the bus or like it was a non-issue. All of that doesn't matter right now. What matters is the result of what he said. And and I think an alternate angle, I don't know why I keep saying it like that, but the alternate angle of what he's saying, like there's other consequences to think about, right? What are those? And it dawned on me, like you think of something like uh, new ownership. I have this thing, I'm going to pull it up in my notes right quick. Um, I have this thing that now it's it's just a funny blunt name. It's nothing catchy, but I call it Rondon fucked up again. But now new ownership is in place count. So let's try that one more time, right? Quote unquote, Rondon fucked up again, but now new ownership is in place count. The count is at one. The first week of the preseason, leading up to the first preseason game, he comments on the enemy's coaching style. And he sheds light into players coming to him about Bienemy's coaching style. That made national headlines. And for new ownership, regardless of your opinion of what Ron said and how he said it or anything like that, Ron has found himself in the spotlight again for being oblivious in in the the comments that he has made about his team or a player or a coach and for new ownership who is evaluating everything you have to be completely honest like when you when somebody says they're evaluating everything you're taking part of their job coaches jobs their media responsibilities into account and what did ron do when he said what he said uh, uh what tuesday he put himself on the map. Um, he put the enemy on the map. And he painted Washington in a negative light that their players can be appeared or perceived as soft. Um, and it could be he put the enemy in a spot where he can be perceived as an asshole who doesn't know how to adjust to players. Those are the negative sides of what he said that what he uh, perception could be of what he said. You cannot ignore that. You have to take it into account. Right. So for a new owner who is evaluating everything that is going on with Ron and this whole team, this whole football operation, strike one. His prepared statement following the incident isn't a strike, but it's an observation. And after this Eric Bieniemy conversation, we want to talk about other observations, um, non-game related that I, I want to touch on too. 
but the observation that he's preparing a statement just to acknowledge that he made a mistake is a very weird thing to do because why are you making a prepared statement for not just acknowledging, hey, man, I ain't mean it like that. Messed up. My bad. Prepared statements indicate that you crossed some line that in order for you to get your words right, you have to write it down and you're going to stick to the script. Like, why do you need that as a professional head coach who have been a professional head coach for 12 years or something like that? Observation. Another observation. When Eric Bieniemy did his uh, presser shortly after Ron Rivera made his comments, guess who sounded more professional than the head coach, more composed than the head coach, regardless and despite what the sentiments are behind his coaching style and what we can obviously hear when we're at practices or when reporters are at practices, guess who sounded composed, professional, and concise? Eric Bieniemy. That's who looked good. That observation can go a long way in the spotlight of players, in the spotlight of new ownership, and in the spotlight of people around the league. That is important. So I want you all to know, the count, for what do we call it again? Rondon fucked up again, but now new ownership is in place. The count is at one. We're going to keep count all season long. And if you got observations and you want to add to the count, you tell me on Twitter, uh, at Let Maul Tell It, or Trapper Dive, you tell us where the count is at and tell us what the count, what that number stands for, right? That's that. Um, another observation. Um, where are we? Terry McLaurin. So I think the thing is, like, and, and I'm speaking, I'm acknowledging that I'm speaking to the minority here, right? Um, but I put out a clip that suggested Terry McLaurin is reluctant to fully endorse Sam Howe. And a lot of people um, understood uh, what Dre was saying because I asked the question if it was a good or bad thing. And Dre actually didn't say that Terry McLaurin was reluctant. I mean, excuse me. To, uh, let, me re- let me rephrase that. Dre actually said that um, it doesn't bother him and he understands why Terry has been reluctant. But the nature of the conversation was never a negative thing. It was never a bad thing. And and bottom line is Terry McLaurin, when we say fully endorsed, what does that mean? Uh, what is what does being able to support somebody mean? Support means that, you know, I believe in somebody. Uh, I think that they're doing a good job. I think that they're coming along well. Um, wait and see. What does fully endorsed mean? He's that guy. He's going to take us a long way. I know what he's capable of. He's going to cook. And I just can't wait for everybody to see it. Fully endorsing and then supporting. We outlined the examples. There are two different ways to back a quarterback. Let alone being reluctant to fully endorse does not mean that somebody is um, saying negative things about them, right? Or has said negative things about them. That's not the case. That's not how that thing works. 
Um, and, and to the point of me mentioning this, I want people to understand observations around the team are very important in, in being observant. And if this is a bad thing, that's one thing, right? But somebody being um, in Terry McLaurin's shoes who has been around for three or four years, comparatively speaking to a Jahan Dotson, who is probably a little bit more louder than Terry, uh, Terry McLaurin when it comes to the quarterback position, who's only experienced one year in Washington, compared to Terry, who has had nine quarterbacks before, um, Sam Howe in terms of like starting, like that, that is significant. And that is a significantly different experience than somebody else. De'Ami Brown's been here for two years. Well, he's experienced three quarterbacks, maybe four. And he's only been here for two years. So you have to take these things into account, put them in perspective and understand that um, all observations aren't necessarily bad things. They're not negative. It's making notation of something and, and assessing whether this is a bad or good thing. The observation in itself isn't bad. Um, and, and I and I, I say that to say, like, we got to understand sometimes, like, as a fan base, we love players, certain players, right? And, and we try to make this thing, like, certain players' names are, are untouchable regardless of what the topic is. Um, would you rather people, especially with the chopper dive side, would you rather people who uh, – introduce new observations new topics or would you rather listen to some of the, the talking media heads or other podcasts out here and i'm not taking shots i'm just being real um and i'm not even thinking of anything specific but i'm just saying like would you rather hear the same recycled conversations because they they ring louder right or would you rather think about more observations unique observations about the team and I'm talking my shit right now, low key. But if those are conversations that are, if you rather hear the repeated ones, that's safe. Do your thing. But if you want other things, that's going to force you to think about uh, new aspects uh, of how the team is covered and how people on the team may think about players um, and whether or not that's a good or bad thing, or maybe coaches thinking about certain things like that is what we're going to do here. And I think that's important to note. And if you've made it this far in terms of listening to my, my non-game related conversations or topics, I appreciate you listening. Um, but yeah, I really had to get those things off my chest. And I'm I'm shortening this conversation because um, I know what we're here to do. But I also just wanted to get some things off right now and, and understanding that, um, you know, there's more things to discuss if you just pay attention to the team um, or pay more attention to the team and, and understand there's a little bit more broader things that, that can be staring, staring you in the face. That's it. So what am I looking for against the Cleveland Browns uh, for Washington this upcoming Friday, 7 p.m. Eastern? Um, there's a few things, man, and shout out to my mans, um, Todd and, and Montel. Uh, Montel's been on here a few times. You know, you know his moniker, F, uh, Hefe, whatever it is. Um, probably somewhere sipping at Yak. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, like, they helped me produce this part. Um, I'm usually the one who produces everything. Um, and I did say that a little uh, with an attitude. <laughs> but I apologize. But, uh, no, nah, they helped me out just because I'm in training and, and they were able to help me get the ball rolling with some things. So, shout out to them. Uh, as I push forward through some keys to watch, and I'll shoot them off, and we're 
hey, we're on to Cleveland after that, right? Here we go. So some of the things that I'm looking for, uh, let's start with the number one. Actually, these aren't even in order, but they're number. They're on my list. My number one thing on my list. Um, it's not the most important thing. Anyway, point being, my first thing, Sam control. Uh, Sam Howe, uh, his control of the offense. I think that is something that I'm going to be looking forward to uh, on Friday, understanding what it looks like. Uh, and when we say control of the offense, it's not about, um, you know, how many points they put up on the board, but is Sam hesitant in any pre-snap decision? Uh, is he hesitant or does he look like he's struggling in the huddle? Um, this is a new offense. We have to take all of that into account. And for Sam Howe, you don't necessarily know, uh, especially with a, a new offensive coordinator who's going to be pushing him to be quick in and out of the huddle with the entire team, mind you, but he's the play caller. Like, what does that look like? Um, secondly, if he has to make any line adjustments uh, in in uh, in concert with his center, like Nick Gates, are are they going to be able to do that effectively? Um, so I want to just see how how poised Sam is in his in his debut as the official QB one for the Washington Commanders. Um, how much time do I want him to play? I say at least two three possessions. Um, I want the starting offense to play at least two, three possessions. Um, I think that's important for for this team. Uh, and I've said that for years, that I just think that this team is in a space where um, you can't afford slow starts. And uh, for Washington, uh, their preseason games uh, have been a, a, a pretty uh, indicative look into how they played throughout the seasons or even at the start of seasons. And, and I think for for Washington – that starting offense is, is going to have to get some time in. If you're worried about somebody getting hurt, um, I hate this idea that the more exposed they are in preseason games, um, <laughs> the the likelihood of them getting hurt goes up. I mean, technically it's true, but I think what also is true is football is football. And that's what you have to take into account when it comes to uh, preseason games in general. Like, you risk getting hurt on the first play of a preseason game. And that's a knock on wood situation for the commanders, right? But I don't care about that. Like, get the work in. I'll never forget what the New Orleans Saints did in their 06 season, maybe 09. I, I want to say it was 06. Um, first year that Drew Brees, Reggie Bush, and all them came along. Um, they came out in preseason on fire. Like, playing their starters for an extended period of time. Um, like, the intensity and urgency was there. And lo and behold, they put their name on the map for years to come, ultimately winning the Super Bowl in 09. Like, I, that's my that's my model. Where's the camera? That's my model. Like, that's the bar for preseason games, especially preseason uh, teams who pre- teams who had previously struggled in years past offensively. That's the bar. Second, for Darian Mathis, man, I, I am interested in how he bounces back, what he looks like. Um, I'm, I'm not – talking about some stats. I'm not talking about some sacks. Just look like, how does he, how comfortable does he look? Um, is he able to hold up at the point of attack? Um, people say that he ain't got no pass rush moves. I still disagree on that. Um, and I think the more comfortable he gets with his, his knee injury, the, the one that he's returning from, um, I think he'll be able to get back in the flow of things. I don't think that he's a sack master. I just think that he does have some juice um, that goes unrecognized because uh, he has that reputation of being that nose tech, that, that zero technique, uh, that, that shade, 
uh, on the center sides or maybe even a one tech, just basically the interior guy for a defensive line. Um, but I just want to see what Federian Mathis looks like when he comes back. My next one, KJ Henry and Andre Jones, their debut. Um, I did a film breakdown on KJ Henry, but I didn't do one on Andre Jones. Um, but Andre Jones, the, the day that I was at practice, I'm going to, I'm scheduled to go to a couple more. Um, either way, that doesn't matter right now. But Andre Jones, um, he's had a solid camp. And for Andre, I think this is an indirect uh, position group battle between KJ and Andre because somebody may get cut. And if Andre, in terms of cut, like as in practice squad, like that's they're going to try to do that. Um, but for Andre, who has been standing out and flashing in, pre- uh, in training camp, He's in a position where if his game tape is just as strong as his practice tape, KJ may be in trouble. Um, I like KJ's film in terms of what he, the potential that he has. He's a very smart player, but I don't think he's that he's, I don't think he's as strong as, as other edge rushers. Um, And also like his pass rush moves, uh, they need some work, but also his use of hands. They need some work as well. So, like, if he gets clamped up on offensive linemen, like, that's going to be a problem, uh, especially within the flow of a game. My next group or next duo is Chris Paul and Mason Brooks. I don't think that they are directly competing against one another, right? Uh, I don't think that's the case. But I also think that for Chris, um, who I would bet is getting the start on Friday night, can he maintain that starting role over Sadiq Charles, right? But then – Secondly, is Mason Brooks good enough in a in his debut to continue forcing the conversation that's going to ultimately push him up to like second string? Can he do that? Um, and I guess a byproduct of of those two is is like what does Sam Cosme look like as a as a solidified now interior offensive lineman? Like what does he look like? So I guess a byproduct is that. Is, is looking at Sam, um, but but Chris Paul and Mason Brooks are my two interior offensive linemen that I'll be looking into. Um, Ricky Schaumburg, you all know that I like I like him. I really like him. Uh, but in the context of that, uh, Ron Rivera and coaches are adamant that Nick Gates is the starter. Um, he's not on my list right now in terms of people to watch. Um, I will be breaking the tape down when the game is over. But um, like he's just something where I'm I, I'll be following from a personal perspective. Uh, next up is the receiver group, Mitch Tinsley, Cash Allen, De'Ami Brown. Um, though I, I really like Mitch in, in terms of what he could do against man coverage, one-on-ones, uh, Cashmere Allen. Um, I just want to see how they use him in the first game uh, and how effective he is on the NFL level. He's an explosive player, very explosive. So I want to see how he is used in the first game and, and what he can take advantage of. Because if he can come out the gate on fire, then then we have a conversation on what he can do for the team. Dami Brown, wide receiver four, has had a solid camp, um, but you can't make any projections off of camp. So um, you got to remember what he looked like in preseason last year. Uh, preseason was was pretty rough for him, um, and who knows? Did it does has it clicked yet? We'll see. Uh, but De'Ami Brown, uh, what is what is he going to look like with the opportunities that he gets in week one, but also like throughout the remainder of preseason? Lastly, uh, shout out to Montel. This was a really good one. Um, 
Corlinus Lucas is the backup left tackle or backup swing tackle. But there's not much depth that you're confident in at offensive tackles, primarily left tackle, right? Um, Sora Cornelius will fill in uh, directly if one of the tackles go down. Um, and if, if Charles does go down and, and Wiley's healthy enough, then then maybe he fills that role. But um, in the event that, that, that Cornelius Lucas isn't available to back up Leno, what does the rest of the tackle situation look like? Who's going to step up and who's going to, like, shut that noise up? So for Washington, I think understanding who that is, um, understanding uh, who can the coaches trust, I think that is going to be something worth following uh, this game, but also the rest of the preseason. That's going to wrap it up for me. Uh, like I said, short and sweet, man. Um, but yeah, I appreciate you all watching again. Hit that like button, hit that subscribe button. Um, I have some more work to do, but in the meantime, man, y'all take it easy. Uh, enjoy the games tonight. If you're watching this before the preseason, preseason, Thursday preseason games. Uh, otherwise we will catch you all Saturday morning to break down the commanders and Browns game. Let's take it easy. Peace. All that good stuff. We out here. It's the overlay. Boom. <laughs>